Hello. I guess we'll just get started even though everyone's out there talking. Yeah. We'll just we'll just start. Maybe turn me up out there so they're like, "Oh wait, has the service started?" The people are so friendly here. It's such a such a problem. All right. Welcome. Welcome to church. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Life Fridge. We gather on Sunday mornings and turn our focus towards God. We worship together. Our faith is not just uh, personal, but it is also communal, and we are called together together. And so thank you for joining us to do that this morning. I want to tell you guys about my Life Bridge. We'll go back to my Life Bridge. I want to tell you about my Life Bridge. We've got uh, our upcoming events, our, our daily devotional, our online giving, and you can get signed up for t- text and email updates from mylifebridge.church. So check that out. I also want to tell you if you want to get connected, if you're if you're visiting or if you'd like if you have questions anything like that, there's cards in the in the seats that you can use. You can fill those out, and there's boxes on each end of this hallway, just to the left. Um, you can see, and you can drop those in those boxes out there. I also want to thank you for your giving. Thank you for giving to support our mission. Uh, you can give online. You can give through Venmo, and then we also have giving boxes on each end of the hallway. But our mission is is not just local; it's also global. We we do uh, we do work here in Burlington, and we are also investing in ministry partners around the world. So when you give, it doesn't just keep the lights on here. It doesn't just uh, pay pay payroll. There's so much more that goes into into what we give and why we give. So we thank you for your generosity. And again, that can be done online on our website, lifefridge.church, uh, there's, uh, through Venmo, and there's giving boxes on each end of the hallway. Also want to remind you guys, uh, make sure you're aware next weekend we have a family service and a baptism service. So what that means is um, we've got, we're planning on baptizing people, which is awesome. We'll also be having a testimony time. And this is, this is what we do every, when we end our conferences, which we're ending today, we do this the following Sunday every, every time. So a family service means there will, be no, there will be no kids' environments next Sunday except for nursery. So we, we want to make you aware of that so that if you bring your kids, you know that they will be with you next week unless they're little babies. Um, and we're going to have a time. We're going to have baptism. We are a, a time to share and, and give testimony. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time. Uh, and so we just want to make you aware of that um, with your kids and, and sort of with those logistics. It doesn't mean don't come. It means come and bring your kids. Great. Um, okay, the Life-Changing Community Conference. We are closing today, and we have a guest speaker. And he is, I saw him praying with someone in the hallway. And is he, yeah, he's still in the hallway. He's coming. He's, yeah, he's coming. He's in the restroom. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about, about Stephen. If you want to put up the picture of his, yeah, just put, put up the picture of his family. This is Stephen Costello. Stephen was here yesterday with us. He did a mission workshop, and he is, he is in full-time ministry with an organization called Novo that he will tell you about. Um, I saw you praying in the hallway, man. You're so spiritual, you know, and now you're, now you're late. Yeah. And then also the restroom, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm th- this is my version of vamping while you get ready. Is it going well? Can you guys give a really, really warm, warm welcome to my friend Stephen as he comes up here? Thanks for letting me have a bathroom break. Hey, sure thing, brother. I'm going to pray for this guy. He's been, yeah, he's been going full bore since, uh, since he started at nine. So uh, I'm going to pray for him. He's going to share with us today, and we're very excited for it. So God, thank you for Stephen. Thanks for 
bringing him to share with us today. God, I pray that you would speak through him and that you would guide and direct all of our hearts towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Sean. Good morning. Oh, you guys did better than the other one. The first time it was like, so yeah, you've had some coffee. Um, Yeah, hey, it's good to be with you. My name's Stephen. Um, I hail from Decatur, Georgia. So does anybody know where Decatur is? Yeah, wow, look at the hands. That's awesome. And we had some Southerners in the last service, so I was like, this feels like home. Um, That's my little nugget and my gorgeous wife, Amy. My nugget's name is Praise. And, uh, And then we got a boy on the way in a month. So I'm keeping the phone next to me. I'm like, could anything happen? It could. Um, so yeah, super excited. Actually, here, here's a fun story I didn't tell in the first service. The day, because we just moved from California, but the day that California shut down because of COVID was my daughter's birthday. So if you've ever been in a 40-hour labor in the middle of COVID, yeah, it's very wild. Um, so that's what it was like. But she was healthy, mom was healthy, and it's been a fun journey. Um, so we're going to be talking today about mission. And um, as I, I kind of start off on this, I, I want to start with two words that I'm just interested to see what God might bring up in your heart. And so as I say these two words, I want you to think, man, what comes to my, my head and my heart when I hear these words? Okay, it's going to be maybe a picture in your mind. It could be something else. But um, the words are mission and missionary, okay? So maybe you wanna write some of that down or just kinda think, man, what comes to my mind when I hear these two words? What what I find that's common is that usually there's a couple things that come up. One is someone that lives in Africa, usually. Um, Someone that lives among poor people. Um, Someone that lives in a place that's really dirty and someone that lives in a place that is over there and is not in my nine to five job. That's, that's usually, is that, does that resonate? Yeah? So I find this across, and I, I didn't tell you kind of where I'm coming from, but I, I work with a mission organization called Novo, uh, based out of Anaheim, California. We have a little over 120 countries represented in our org, and we kind of focus on three things. Um, one, working among the poor, to among unreached people groups. Um, and I have a stat guy here. So um, we, we have about, let's just say anywhere between 50 to 60% of the world is still unreached. Um, and that's just true, meaning they don't have a gospel presentation available. They don't have a church available um, to even hear who is Jesus. If you were to say in some of these places like, hey, Jesus, who, who is that? Is that like a guy down the street? Like, that's how unreached the world is. Um, so that, I would just encourage you, if, if that's new for you, start understanding what does it mean that Jesus is, he's coming back one day and he wants to use us to bring the good news to all people, languages, and nations. And do you know it's not just for the select few? It's actually for all of us. And so we're gonna be talking about this today, what does it mean to kind of change our view of mission or missionary? So when I, when I hear these words, mission and missionary, I think of um, a guy that lives in San Jose, California, lives in the Silicon Valley. He works at Google, and um, he's been 
kind of through some of our training and he, he was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna bring this back to my job. And you know, he has multiple nations that he works with from India, Middle East, Pakistan, all, all around the world. These are his coworkers. And every day he develops software and he sees that as his mission field. Let me tell you the story of Amanda that's a, uh, a basic soccer mom. And, uh, and every day she wakes up, she barely gets through the day because she's got three or four kids that are just running through. She's like trying not to pull her hair out. She gets to the soccer game and she sits down and she looks down the bleachers and she sees a woman crying next to her. And she realizes, oh my goodness, I just found my mission field. Let me tell you about a, a family in Shasta Lake and um, they, they started a coffee shop. At the age of 13, Stuart had this passion for coffee. He started learning how to roast coffee and they actually started this coffee shop that became a, a missional space to just be with people, learn their stories, to study the scriptures. And a slew of young people come to this coffee shop. He teaches them how to make coffee, how to roast coffee beans, and about who Jesus is. What you're hearing are the stories of what it means to be a missionary. What you're hearing is the normalcy of what it means to actually step into mission as a follower of Jesus. It is the normal story of what it means to be a missionary. Missionaries are not over there. They're like, I wake up in the morning, praise God, I'm in my mission field. I am here right now. I don't need to go somewhere else. Thank God that he's called me to be here. And I, I'm gonna start this with from this place, but... You know, I think one thing that we need to kind of pull back as we're kind of telling this bigger story of where do I fit in this is mission, when we hear this, it should always point back to God. And I wanna show you how this points back to the Lord. Throughout the scriptures and church history, mission always comes back, and this would be what I would say. When you, when you look at the word sending or mission, throughout church history for the first couple hundred years, that word was actually related more to the character of God than it was the activity of the church. So church history and uh, fathers in the church, they, they would have known the mission of God being the nature of God the Father being the sending Father, the Son being the sent Son and the Holy Spirit being sent to dwell in believers. That's how they viewed mission and sending. Now, thousand years later, we've changed that definition to an activity of the church, but throughout church history, it's always been the character of God. This is who he is, and they would call this the missio dei, which is just kind of a nerd term. Um, it just means the mission of God. God is, he's the missionary God, and we are following him in his mission for his world and his redemption. So as believers, as followers of Jesus, we get to partner with him. And I'm gonna be talking about what does that partnership look like today? I like to say it this way. God's mission has a church, not the church has a mission. I wanna say this again. God's mission has a church, not the other way around where the church has a mission. No, we are wrapped up in the story of God and his mission for redemption for the world. Is this, is this good news? This is the truth of what's happening day to day, no matter if we hear the stories or not, God is on the move and he's moving. 
So we talked about this term, missio dei, and really very simply, let's just wrap it up. All mission flows from God to God and for God. God is on the move. He's looking for a people that he can call by his own name and that he can transform his world and their world so they can be one. John Piper, he, he says it this way, if you know John. Um, he says, mission exists because worship does not. Mission exists because worship does not. And if you could think in places in America, if you could think in places around the world, worship is not happening to God, so mission will exist until Christ comes back because we are building places and redeeming places so that worship to God the Father can happen. So God is, he's this jealous God of, of love. He loves people and he loves God that he would so much, he would die on a cross and he would redeem the world through his death, his resurrection. He would give us eternal life forever. This, this is his mission. And it's not only just kind of this flowery language of like, man, I've heard that, but I, you might be asking like, what about us? Like if, if God is the missionary God and mission is about him, then where, does that actually affect like my life? And it does. So the question I wanna kind of play around with is, how is this our story too? I wanna start at the very beginning of creation. It's kind of a big task. I wanna talk about creation and I wanna look at the scriptures and show you how the redemptive story of God and of Jesus, his son, has been written from the very beginning in the scriptures, leading us to the redemption of all things. So guys, if you could put up that slide real quick. And I, if you've never seen this, I, I just pray this is a holy moment for us, but if you, if you were to look up just the first 10 names in the Old Testament, they're actually a complete sentence. And th these are what these names, so this is God himself, the creator of all things, Adam, meaning man, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. And that in order means this, the God-man is appointed, a mortal man of sorrow is born. The glory of God shall come down, instructing that his death shall bring those in despair comfort and rest. See, from the very beginning, the story of the scripture and the redemption of mankind has always flowed from God telling us a story. I, I'm coming. I'm coming for you, and I will redeem you. I will give you comfort and rest. And this God-man named Jesus, fully God and fully man comes and he redeems and he's without clothes. I know there's kids in here, but he's without clothes on a cross and he gives himself in full humility saying, I will give you everything. Does, is this, have you ever seen this before? Is it amazing? I mean, there, there's so many of these sentences. It, I, I joked in the last service, but it, it helped me read the book of Numbers. <laughs> I was like, maybe there's like something here for me now, you know, rather than just me like going, oh, there's the book of Numbers. You know what I mean? Like, you just get bored of it. Like, wait, what do these, what do all these numbers mean? But there, there's hidden gems in the scripture that God is saying to us, would you search me? It's the glory of kings to conceal a matter. It's the glory of, 
Uh, it's glory of God to conceal matters. It's glory of kings to search it out. And this is one of those little nuggets hidden in scripture. So do you, do you see the story of the mission of God from the very beginning, even naming his leaders saying, I'm gonna put my story in you so the rest of the world will know this story of redemption. And this same thing, and we can take the slide down, but this same thing happens all throughout the scripture. I want, I want you to think about Genesis. There, there's this God named Yahweh, and he partners with man, and here's how he does it. He's, he creates animals, and then he says to man, hey, will you create with me? And I'm sure Adam was like, man, you created me. How can I, how can I do that? And he says, but I'm gonna create, but I want you to name the animals. I wonder what Adam thought when he saw a giraffe. Like, like what would he think? Like, man, that's, that's a weird animal. You know what I mean? Like, what would, he, what would he think if he saw like a hippo? You know, he's like, man, that guy's kind of big. What, what would I call him, right? And what, what were these names? But not only that, did he have the pleasure and the delight of being with a God that delighted in him so much that he would share his mission with mankind. He's like, no, I, God, God limits himself by saying, Adam, I want to partner with you. I'll create, but I want you to name the animals. This is the story of the mission of God. God, fully divine, coming with broken humanity, saying, I want to partner with you in my mission for redemption. I want you to think of Abraham, right? He chooses this impossible situation in this family. Over the age of 90, Abram is, you know, God gives him this promise. This is, this is who you're going to be. And I'm sure, I'm sure Abram looks at him and he's like, dude, you just don't know my story. And he's like, I'm going to, you're going to be a father of many nations. And Abraham just kind of goes, I, no, it's not going to happen. You know, and then Sarah laughs. And, and it's this story of impossible things becoming possible because God speaks truth and everything starts happening. And God comes in and he starts partnering with Abram and it's, it's so cool that through an impossible situation, this becomes the line of redeeming humanity all the way to Christ where a new man, just as Abram becomes Abraham, a new man is gonna come up and all humanity is gonna be under Christ in Christ and with Christ, a new humanity, a new Adam, as the scriptures would say. Just for a fun note, I, I find this interesting. I'm a kind of a Bible geek with some of this stuff. Um, you know, I, I remember reading uh, the passage about Abram. And, you know, and then there's this name change, and I'm like, man, that's kind of like weird. Like, why, why, did, why did he change his name? And you kind of see this throughout the scripture. Well, the Hebrews would have known God. We, we call God God but they would have known him as Yahweh, right? And Yahweh, if you break it up, it's just Y-H-W. There, there aren't vowels. And most scholars believe that when God gave Abram an impossible task, he had to change his name of something that he couldn't fulfill in himself to say, I'm gonna give you something so that you know it's not about you, but it's about me through you, and I'm gonna redeem humanity. And so they believed that he actually gave him the H out of Yahweh, and he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And 
you see this story throughout the narrative of scripture where God calls impossible broken people into something that's possible and supernatural through God. It, it happens throughout the whole narrative of scripture. I mean, I want you to think of Noah. You know, some of us, these stories, if you've grown up in church, they just become the, these old stories, but Noah's story is a wild story, right? He's like, he's blameless in his generation. So I, I mean, imagine in your city, Burlington, there's like, there's like one person and this person, this man or woman is blameless in their generation, in the whole world. Obviously, they had less of a population, but in the whole world, there's one person here in this city that's blameless for all humanity. And God's like, I'm gonna partner with this person to redeem humanity. And this little person in a little town with broken influence and probably hurting in body and not much to offer, God's like, can I work with you? And Noah hears from God and God tells him this impossible thing, I want you to build an ark. And Noah, day after day, he goes out and he hears this word from the Lord and based on obedience, he follows him and he starts building this ark and the nations are looking at him and people that don't follow Yahweh are looking at him and they're saying, this man is out of his mind. Do you have any crazy people in your city that you're like, just kind of stay away from them? Like, they're not safe. They, they say crazy stuff. That was Noah. And Noah starts doing this and he starts building this ark and now he's starting to invite his family into it and they're kind of thinking, what did dad drink last night? Like, did he really hear from God? And then they're wrestling inside like, did God really say this? It's the very question they ask in the garden. Is that really God? And Noah believes at God's word that he's gonna build this thing to redeem all of humanity. And he builds it and he partners with God and redemption comes. It's, it's this amazing story. I mean, I'm thinking of David. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Now, David wasn't perfect. I don't know if you know his story. He was an adulterer. He killed a man to get what he wanted. His heart questioned God. He wrestles in the Psalms with, are you gonna rescue me? Are you the God that really will show up? And this is the God that God calls a man after his own heart. And David lays down his life so much so that Jesus is born through his lineage. The broken man, the adulterer, and the murderer. See, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they see our brokenness in a very different way than we do. I think God is looking for men and women after his own heart that will embrace their brokenness and say, this is what I have to offer. Could you use it for your glory? I think sometimes we limit ourselves for what we think we can offer to God rather than what God can do through our broken lives. Esther is another example. Esther, she brings redemption to her people through a low position of authority through a low position in society, even as a woman in that time where the authority that they have was very little, through that, God uses her life and she brings redemption to her people. This, this is the story of the scriptures where the mission of God has always been happening. So you might be saying this, and maybe if I was sitting in your, your seat, I would be saying this, like, does, does this happen in the New Testament too? These are all like Old Testament, right? Yeah, what, I mean, 
think about this. What about Paul? I, I said this in the last service, and I, I don't think it'll be too strong, but Paul is an example of a modern-day ISIS leader that kills Christians, and God goes, that's my leader. And you're like, what? These are like the guys on you know, the news that we watch, and you're like, these are evil men. These are like evil men. They have evil intentions in their heart, and God's like, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Can you imagine a modern day ISIS leader? I could tell you stories of this happening. But God grabbing their life and saying, I want you. Had a man in um, the Middle East, I didn't share the story last time, but he, um, it's a modern day ISIS leader actually, and um, he has a dream. And He's in hardcore um, jihad Islam, and uh, in, in this dream he has, he sees all of the, the patriarchs of the faith, and they're all riding on horses. And um, so he looks down the line, and it's Adam, it's uh, Noah, it's David, it's Abraham. He sees all of them riding on horses, and there's one white horse that has no one riding on the horse. And he looks and he's like, who is the man that rides on the white horse, he says in his dream. And he hears a loud booming voice in his dream say, I am Jesus, follow me. And in the dream, this man in white walks up to him and says, I want your life, Muhammad, follow me. And he wakes up from a dream. That day, Muhammad gives his life to the Lord, but he has no Bible and he has no one around him to teach him about the ways of Jesus. He randomly finds a worker, a missionary in his land, and they start talking about Jesus. Muhammad is now on our staff in the Middle East, and all of the skill set that he had in the Middle East where he multiplied ISIS cell groups, he now uses to multiply the church all around the world. Do you know who reached him? God. He's the missionary God that is sending his spirit because he wants people to know him. He's not the judge that is sitting from heaven with a heavy finger saying you didn't do well. He's the God that lays without clothes on his body on a cross and said, I'll give you my whole life. I love you. This is the God that all of us worship. This is the God that lays down his life for you and I. What about Peter? I told you about modern day Paul. What about Peter on this rock, as Peter's name is Little Rock? He calls him a big rock. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change your name, Peter, Petros. I'm gonna change your name, and on this rock, I'm gonna build my ecclesia, my church. He gives him a name change because he's saying, Peter, you can't, Peter was kind of broken. I mean, Peter would do things that you're like, Peter, put the sword up, man. Like, don't, do, don't cut that guy's ear off, right? Don't do that. Like, Peter was quick. He would just say things out of his mouth. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. God chooses to use people like this because all it comes down to is the obedience of their heart. They know their brokenness. They accept their brokenness, but it's not the end of their story. Peter. You know, in this, this whole story of mission, it, it even goes back to the Nicene Creed. I'm sure you and I have read it so many times, know it by heart, but at the very end, it says this. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. 
See, this word apostolic, it can mean relating to the apostles, but in church history and ecclesiology, what is, what is happening right now is they're starting to discover that they've forgotten one of the original meanings of what an apostle was. That it does relate to the apostles, but the word apostle in the Greek means one sent forth with orders. One sent forth with orders. And in the Nicene Creed, this is not just the, the order back to the apostles, it's also the sending nature of the apostolic mission moving forth into the nations. This is written in the very foundation of the documents that we still quote, speak, and meditate on today. That we are a sent people. We have always been a sent people. Another word for this kind of sentness or apostle is like an ambassador. I want you to think of what Christ calls you. But this word ambassador, this, it's like a king would take his royal decree and he would give it to an ambassador and he'd say, hey, I want you to go to this country. I want you to take this decree. And when you come to this country with the decree, it's as if the king is giving this decree through you with the same authority, the same power, and the same word. That's what it meant to be an ambassador. Do you know Christ calls you his ambassador? And the scripture goes on to say, as Christ ambassador, that God is making his appeal through you and I. To some, it's the fragrance of life. To some, it's the fragrance of death. But it is the aroma of Christ through you and I as his ambassadors. Have you ever thought of your day-to-day -day life, nine to five, nine to six, nine to 11, whatever it is, do you see that as the ambassador of Christ that God's called you to be? Do you see it as the place where the fragrance of Christ to those that are living and those that are dying is being spread around you day after day after day? And the reality is no matter if we know it or not in our mind or our heart, it is happening. People are smelling of us like, do you really believe in this God? Is he really that good? You know, Stephen, I wanna see it. And I, I like to say this, the, the gospel is more embodied than proclaimed. You know, it, you know, scriptures would say like this, like they will see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Like, like deeds, I think we've only placed the gospel as just like we just proclaim the gospel. And this is true. This, this is like biblically true. We need to share the good news. But I think the world's waiting for a living witness to say, show me what it, the gospel looks like as you live it out with you and your wife. Show me what it looks like with your four kids that are running around. You're trying not to pull your hair out. And they're like, how do you have any peace? Show me, show me what the gospel looks like when you're next to a coworker and you're kind of angry because you didn't get enough sleep. And they're like, how are you always happy? Show me what the gospel looks like when you and your wife are struggling and you tell your coworker, you start confessing sin and saying, but here's where my hope comes from. The gospel has to be embodied as much as it needs to be proclaimed. Good news has to look like something. And this is where mission comes in. So we've talked about this whole narrative of the scripture of 
being sent, where, where do we fit in that story? Where, where does the story talk about the sending God? Or does it talk about us as broken human beings partnering in his mission in the earth? And there's a couple points I wanna give you as we kind of move towards the end in closing. One, as disciples, God has commanded us to make disciples. You know, making a disciple is not a one decision thing like boom overnight. It's, I, I was once lost and now I'm found. I think that's as far as we take it. It's also walking with people in their discovery of what it means for them to follow Christ. Disciples make disciples. And I, I love to say it this way, is God, God actually takes and limits himself because he wants to use you and me to bring redemption to the earth. Could God at any moment be like, redeem the whole earth? Yeah, I think he's that powerful. But he limits himself and he wants to delight to co-create with you and I to bring redemption to Burlington. Do you believe that? Do you believe it's just for the pastors, just for the knowledgeable? Or do you believe it's for you and me in our day-to-day lives? And that's point two, everyone has a part. Throughout the scriptures, broken men and women have a part in the redemption story of God. Everyone has a part. Point three, we're gonna do this in weakness and full dependence on God. If you ever feel like you're the person, you're like, I just don't know the word enough, like John, I don't know it like John does. Or man, I haven't been trained or I don't know how to share the gospel like they do. You know, you're in like the right spot. Because everyone throughout the scripture, I mean, over and over again, you're seeing people say like, God, you got the wrong guy. Moses, Moses, I think, it, I wish I could have been on like a fly on the wall, but Moses says to God like, you got the wrong guy. And God's like, he's, you know, and he's, he's given this complaint like, I'm not good with words. You want me to like save the, this people from the most powerful like nation in the world. And he's like, I, I'm not good with words. He knew what he was getting into. And God's like, Moses, who made your mouth? And then he asked him this question, what's in your hand? And Moses like has this stick and he's like, a stick. And he's like, throw it down. What are, what are things in your life that you've just said like, man, it's just a stick. This is like, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a mom. I'm just a software engineer. I'm, I'm like just a business owner. And God's like, will you throw it down at my feet? I'll use it. He wants to use you in your brokenness so he can be glorified. Last point. This, this story of being the light of the cosmos and being the salt of the earth, it ends in this story of from the very beginning of Genesis, there's this narrative of God being with man in a garden. And in this garden, all things are made new, all things are, are well, everything is good. And God has created this garden. And in the end, if you were to, and this is a fun thing if you wanna go and do this, read Genesis 1 and 2, and then right beside it, I want you to read Revelation 21 and 22. Compare the narrative of where it begins and where it ends. What you'll find is that what God created in the garden, he ends in redeeming all things in a garden city. 
And so God starts in like, I, I made this garden, but then he starts partnering with mankind and he starts building a garden city. And it's this partnership between man and God to redeem all things and to make all things new. This is God's plan for you and I and will always be. God is creating a garden city. So church, I I wanna leave you with this, with a couple questions. And if you could just pray with me as we kind of reflect on what we've heard. But Lord, I I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for um, the word of God that speaks to our heart. It brings truth and light to us to understand your ways and your goodness. And church, as as we're in prayer, I, I want you just to, before the Lord, would you search your heart and I, what, what is in your life that you've discredited to just be a stick like Moses? Is there anything in your life that has held you back from stepping into God's call and mission in your life? Is it your health? Is it your knowledge? Is it your lack of experience? your stage of life? Is it that you're not a pastor? What what is it that has held you back? And if you could just do this in your heart, would you just in some way before in your prayer with the Lord, could you just lay that down this morning at the feet of Jesus? Say, Lord, I'm giving you that. This has held me back for so long. As you're laying that down at the feet of Jesus, could you ask Jesus, Jesus, is there anything you wanna give me in return? Is there anything you wanna give me in return of what I've laid down at your feet? So Jesus, I I just thank you that you're alive and well and your word says where two or three are gathered, there the Lord is. And so we recognize that you're moving in our midst, that you're here now, you're speaking to our hearts to bring us to redemption. You're, You're speaking to our hearts to move into your mission in simple ways. And Lord, I ask over this church that you would give them faith the size of a mustard seed to believe you at your word. I ask that you give them power in their inner man to step into what you are speaking to them this morning. We just say over fear that's held some of us back, you you don't have rights over us anymore. And in place of it, I ask for boldness and courage to believe God that he is the God of the impossible that through your brokenness and lack of fill in the blank, God wants to use you. So Lord, we thank you for what you're speaking. Thank you for this city. May this be a a city on a hill of many people full of salt and light that brings redemption to this city, this region, this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.